Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. We made zero dollars yesterday. Right. So let's start today by making 50. Yeah. If we make 50 today, it's already a win. Right. Oh, by the time we get to 350, oh, we're at the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're at the Super Bowl. I like uh, that. Let's, let's, raise the, let's, let's raise the Lombardi trophy, but that excitement, that level of excitement allows me to get over the next obstacle, the over, over the next hurdle. But it starts with accepting the truth of whatever that previous issue might have been. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people. What's going on? Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Gary Kwashi, who's the present CEO of Pod Digital Media, uh, which is the first full-service agency for multicultural podcasters. He's worked with companies like Toyota, HBO, BT, Viacom, Tidal, etc. We had a great conversation, uh, a lot of info. For his uh, truth prescription, he talked about his realization that the corporate world is cutthroat. And that really, similar to what we talk about on the show, once he accepted that truth, then he figured out how he needed to navigate a little bit better. That, you know, everybody is not your friend, but at the same time, you can work with people that may not have your best interest at heart as long as you understand there is a game to be played. But if you don't know there's a game, then you just get played. <laughs> so so that's what we talked about. Um, we went went through some tips on, you know, people that may want to get into a business um, who may be working a nine to five, some steps that they can take. We talked about the the importance of being both a consumer and an investor and the buying power, the multicultural buying power of the African-American and Latino dem- demographic. We talked about building a brand and what, how he built his brand or his alter ego outside of his corporate job. Finally, you know, we finished out with Yes OBS and got into some few funny topics, including when he's going to get married. <laughs> so... <laughs> I hope uh, you guys enjoy the show. Close your eyes and open your ears, and uh, let's get into it. Good people, welcome back to Truth, <laughs> Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm like stumbling over my words today. In the building, uh, we have Mr. Gary Kwashi. What's up, Gary? What's up, sir? How are you? Doing well, and I have to say I appreciate you coming through all the rain and the sickness. This yes. man had a... Well, we won't get into his medical <laughs> issues, but we'll just say he had a little bit of a procedure a couple of days ago and his voice wasn't 100%, but right. he's here trying to grind it out with us on the True Prescription because he wants y'all to break free and be free. So Gary, interestingly, is the head of partnerships at a company called Pod Digital Media, which is his company. And head of partnerships is just his way of saying he's the boss, but that's <laughs> that's his, uh, you know, that's, that's what he, he came up with. Pod Digital Media is the first full-service company for multicultural podcasters. So basically what they do is they take 
podcasters who want to reach a multicultural audience, and he connects them with advertisers, which is so critical in the podcast space. You want to say something? No, for sure. No, what I want to say is that podcasters that caters to the multicultural audience. Yes. And that already has that audience as the majority of the listenership. Yeah. We take their, we leverage their inventory, we leverage their podcasts to connect right. them with blue chip advertisers. Interesting about Gary, Gary came to the U.S. from Haiti when he was 15. For whatever reason, I know this date, January 28th, 1997 is, <laughs> what, is the date he came. Wow. We just passed that anniversary. You did your homework. Um, and, 23 and, years and, now. 23 and, years. And he did not speak English when he came. He only spoke Creole or French. Which one? I spoke Creole and I spoke both. I spoke, spoke Creole both. and French, but I did not speak a word of English. He did not speak a continue. word of English. Yeah. Right, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, and his family went to, so, so interesting, you know, when folks from the Caribbean come to the New York area, normally they go to Queens or they go to Brooklyn, Flatbush, but... For whatever reason, Gary and his family went to Nyack in Rockland County, which right. is like, you know. I don't even know how. <laughs> I honestly generally don't know how to discover Rockland County. Right. But my mom had moved here in 1991. Uh-huh. And my aunts and uncles were already here. And yeah. they lived in Rockland and County. And So when I arrived in 1997, I got off the airport. I got off the plane. And it's hot, right? Yeah. It's hot. And then my mom is like, hey, put this on. Scarf hat. And I'm right. like, I'm sweating bullets. Right. What right. are you talking about? Right. Why are you giving me all this, you know, all these layers for it? Right. And dude, that door opened at JFK. <laughs> Hawk. The Hawk door kitchen. opened. And I think my uncle, I remember it vividly. He said, tonight is minus two degrees. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Right, so you, you know? got so, so you got you got the rude awakening. So quickly, he, he, he <laughs> brought himself up, did a few things before he started this company, which he'll get into. Company's doing really well. They've had clients like Toyota, HBO, BET, Viacom, Tidal, Universal, etc. So he's growing. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, and he's gone through a few things, and he's been successful. And he's here to share with us today. So let's jump first right into the truth prescription. For those of you that are my old listeners, you already know the concept. For anybody listening for the first time. The basic premise of the show is that we are afraid of truth because it's, you know, uncomfortable. It's scary. You look in the mirror. You don't want to see things. And what I found in my journey, and this is why I wanted to share this podcast with you guys, is that when I accepted the things that I was ignoring, I had a breakthrough. So the truth prescription basically means that the truth is your prescription. That's how you're going to get past and get through and gain more success in your personal and professional life. So Gary, sometimes known as GC. <laughs> yes, sir. Tell the people about either a personal or professional truth, something that a story that illustrates some somewhere where you were maybe ignoring something going on inside of yourself or outside of yourself. Right. And when you accepted it, it created a, a pathway for you. Uh, I, I want to focus more on the professional aspect of it. Okay. And those go, that goes back to my days in corporate America. Okay. And corporate America just uh, is just a different beast. Mm. It's a different animal. You have to be ready for it. You need allies. You need to uh, you need to actually have friends, professional friends, professional mentorship within the organization in order to uh, to be successful. Okay. And I think for me is, and I learned this at a very early age. It's about how do you uh, accept and how do you navigate through different energies. How hmm. do you know whether someone is really a friend of yours, whether or not they're a foe. Do they really have your back? Do they really have your best interest? And I think for me is at an early age, 
I've learned to accept, uh, you have to accept the truth. Like mm. people in corporate America, people at work are not your friends. <laughs> and they're not your <laughs> friends in the sense that I can see you and I are friends. And yeah. you might put me to the side, hey, G, you did this. I'm not a big fan of it. I know you meant well, but the way you positioned it, it didn't make us look good. Mm. I keep saying you're my boy, but in public you're saying this. You're making <laughs> us look bad. Yeah. Let's just find a way to fix it. Regardless of how the delivery might be, yeah. you've conveyed that over to me. I'm aware of it. Yeah. And it's up to me to make the, you know, to make a choice, to make the right changes. If I care about a relationship, to sort of really turn that around. In corporate America, you don't have that option. Right. Or you may not have that option because the person that you're working next to on a day-to-day basis may not even like, may not like you. They may be saying things that are completely untrue about you, about your work ethic, about the quality of your work. Yes. And they're not even communicating that to you because right. it's passive aggressive. Show the landscape to the people. Tell them where you where were you working in corporate. For if sure. you don't want to say the company, just the type of job. Oh yeah, type I position. mean, I've I've been everywhere. I'm a marketer's marketer, and I always <laughs> want to say this. Uh, people always think it's a joke, but I really gravitated towards marketing by watching Boomerang, Eddie Murphy and Boomerang. Oh yeah, that cat yeah. was the man. He was the man, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that I was like, I need to be in marketing. This guy is putting together marketing plans. He's putting together big campaigns, big beauty campaigns. He's yeah. sending people out to the islands to uh, to come up with the creatives to right. create the to execute on his creative process. I'm like, right. this is beautiful. He had all the this. ladies. Oh, he did have the ladies. <laughs> too. You know, he did have that. So I'm like, this is beautiful. This is exactly what I need to get into. But of course, you know, as I grew, this is at like 11, 12. You know, I matured into a young, you know, the much older young man. I went to college like, oh, this is marketing. This is what this is. I'm like, okay, great. This is exactly what I need to do. And I got into it. So I say all of that to say that I've worked in in, uh, different companies in different marketing capacities. Okay. Whether it's uh, as a marketing manager, working purely on the retail aspect of it. Yeah. working with the retail partners, making sure that our products are getting to the right retail stores or different partners that we work with, whether it's been on the e-commerce side, search, social, affiliate, email, influencer marketing. I've worked on, I've worked in marketing in that capacity. And I've also worked in uh, marketing uh, in-house. Uh, okay. I mean, I work in marketing for different brands where we're doing out-of-home TV, radio, television campaigns. But lastly... The latter part of my career, I've worked on the agency side. So okay. when I work on the agency side and I've worked for these large, larger holding agencies and we work with those, you know, Fortune, Fortune 500 companies uh, where we, we have much larger budgets and managing much larger campaigns. Okay. Yep. So in your time in that corporate world, can you give us an example where you came up with this truth because something happened or, no, or sure. things happened. Oh, multiple times. Where, where you thought somebody was your occasions. friend. Multiple occasions. Or, so give us that scenario. Uh, scenario is that, especially on the agency side, it's a bit cutthroat, right? Mm. It's a bit cutthroat due to the fact that, and it's not necessarily because people are vicious. Some people are, in fact, vicious. <laughs> but the environment, most times, unfortunately, is the fact that people are overworked. They're mm. overworked, underpaid, underappreciated. Therefore, that creates a level of, of animosity towards the establishment. Mm. But more so importantly, it also creates a level of uh, animosity, competitive nature within the internal teams. Okay. So therefore, if I'm underpaid and I know you're getting paid 15, 25K more than me, yet if I can show that I can do something better than you, I can get to that position by teaming up with a couple more people, why not do it? I'm yeah. underpaid now. I right. live in New York City. My rent is high. Right. The rent is high. <laughs> So therefore, that that just creates sometimes a level of uh, a competitiveness that's not necessarily 
advantageous to anyone, it's much more, it deteriorates and it exacerbates any types of situations. Uh, so that yeah. said, I was on multiple occasions and, and, you know, as not to use that as for anything in particular, but I was sometimes the only minority or the only black guy yeah. as an associate director or as a director uh, managing a team. And sometimes with my own team, people I've hired and they've gone and said, hey, we should, we should have a different boss. Oh, I think I could do this job because he doesn't come up. You know, it seems like Gary makes it look so easy or he could be doing this, we could be doing that. And, you know, just like they were underworked and underpaid, I was overworked and underpaid. I was overworked and underpaid. Yeah. So therefore I was juggling and navigating the hardships on a day-to-day basis just like they were. But my attitude towards the work doesn't show my face. It right. just shows, hey, let's this has to get done. Let's get it done. We don't have time to sit and mope. Anywho, uh, I've had situations where I've had teammates, colleagues, definitely have gone against me trying to have their own team, create mm. a sort of a... Them yeah, versus you correct. kind of thing. And I've always come out on top simply because I have a mantra that I live with, I live by. Mm-hmm. And it's, I accept the truth even when it's not in my favor. Mm. Once I accept the truth, I, I reflect. That. I reflect not in a way to dwell negatively. I reflect with purpose in a way to move forward. I love it. I so love it. I love it. That's what I do live my life, both professionally and as a nine to fiver. As a when I was working, I've worked sales jobs, hundred percent commission, going door to door, knocking door to door, and trying to sell you know promotional packages. Hustle. And I wasn't making a dime. Hustle. Uh, but I had on a suit and tie. And I was and I was doing it with great pride. Okay. And some days I'd come out and it would be a good three hundred and fifty dollar day. And okay. I was a happy man. And right. some days I come out making zero. And I was still a happy man because I've accepted the truth that for the day I have been defeated for the day. Right. Not for the week or not for the month or not for the year. Right. That attitude alone propels me to get to that next level, to get to the next day with excitement to say, Okay, we made zero dollars yesterday. Right. So let's start today by making fifty. Yeah. If we make 50 today, it's already a win. Right. Oh, by the time we get to 350, oh, we're at the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, we're at the Super Bowl. I like uh, that. Let's, let's, raise the, let's, let's raise the Lombardi trophy. But that excitement, that level of excitement allows me to get over the next obstacle, the over, over the next hurdle. But it starts with accepting the truth of whatever that previous issue might have been. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it sounds like like you had to basically finally realize, oh, okay, I'm I'm in a, a swamp a swamp a swamp here a little Correct. bit, you know, in this corporate world. Correct. And I need to move as such, right? This is Correct. not just hunky go dory, I go to work and we're all friends. Correct. It's it's a little bit of a battlefield. Correct. And yeah. then you still have to be tactical and oh, be yeah. strategic. Oh yeah. But you just have to accept the truth for what it is for that moment. Right. Okay. Right. So I understand your angle, I understand your angle, I understand your angle. This is my current position. Right. So that's the actual truth. We have <laughs> right. to accept it. Right. And then now how do we navigate? What do we need to do? Right. Do I need to sit you down, have a heart to heart, do we need to have a hard conversations? Or do we do the two two can play that game? Right. And then where I need to sort of we can start playing ping pong. Right. And then nobody wins. Right. So it's it, there's multiple Most of ways. the time step two happens because I would say, and you tell me this, but eighty five to ninety percent of people don't deal with the truth. They don't accept the truth. You know, they, they don't want to hear the truthful feedback. They don't, you know, they, they, they just have their, their scenario in their head. Like you said, because one thing you said earlier that I think is interesting is you were overworked and underpaid, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of glossed over the fact that, you know, you were the only, you know, minority. But mm-hmm. I think people, Most times. I have to say most times. Most times. Yep, okay. I've, I've gotten to different agencies. My last agency that I worked for, 
and I give them credit for it. Although they laid me off, we can talk about that also too. <laughs> Laundry service out yeah. of Brooklyn. That yeah. was probably one of the best agencies I've worked at as far as culture is concerned. Yeah. They were very diverse. I looked at their page. They had all women, men, Asian. I think the CEO was, yeah, everything. It was phenomenal. It was great. I mean, the culture was was amazing. Yeah. At any given point, like, you're getting the feedback, uh, and we were creating content. So, therefore, the content was coming from the actual source of the people that's actually going to consume it. Yeah. So, it was great. So, I truly enjoyed the culture at Laundry Service. Shouts to Jason Stein. He's no longer the CEO, but uh, he did a good job building that up. Let's jump into some questions here. The point I was going to make before was that for me, right, I grew up here, so I deal with whatever I would deal with as a black man in this society, right? Right. But I always feel like my brethren who are from out of the country have it doubly worse, right? Because mm-hmm. they deal with being a person of color right. and being an immigrant. For right? sure, yeah. So it's double. And then yours was triple because it, it's the, la- you know, you had to eventually learn the language. So it's, it's not easy out here in these streets. It's not. Not one bit. <laughs> not one bit. I mean, for me, when I came in, when I first came to the States— 15, this is your prime years, right? Yeah. Your prime years of flyness, of discovering where you were as a young man, et cetera, yeah. you're in high school. Right. For me, is I had to not only to learn the language, I had to learn the culture. And at the same time, I started to get schoolwork done right. at the same time, right? right? So it's, it's a bit, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm operating with chip on my shoulder, but it's certainly not easy. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly not easy to overcome all of that. To uh, you have to learn the language, and you have to, and you have young boys, young girls, like you know, I couldn't say Adidas. I think one day I was trying to sound cool, and I said Adidas, something crazy, right? And the girl said, "What are you trying to say? <laughs> you can't speak English." And yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah. man, yeah." Now I think so. she's, I think she follows me on Instagram now. I don't follow her back because <laughs> I am too fly for this her. Right. She's, I've upgraded. This right? <laughs> yeah. Up- now I'm being petty. I'm GC. joking. That's hilarious. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, no, actually not joking. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, but that's happened, bro. Like yeah, all jokes yeah. aside, like you know, when you're learning the language, and even when I got to corporate America, like for me, there's there was a certain level of confidence that I now have at 38. That when I was, you know, when I was an account manager at the age of 22, 23, I did not have correct simply because I walk in a room to make a presentation, and the person would say, "Can you repeat that again? Can you say that again?" And they're saying it in a way that they're not understanding you, and yeah. you know they're not understanding you. But you know, you're trying to get the proper word out. You're trying yeah. to get your new the corporate verbiage that you just learned. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've been reading your books, and you know. Um, Maxwell and all these different self-help books to get your um, to get your diction. Uh, your diction, your yeah, vocabulary yeah, yeah, properly, yeah, yeah, your yeah. set set uh, forth properly, and yeah. and you know you're trying to use those big words and it's a struggle. That's yeah. a huge struggle. And you are professional. You are trying to learn. You are smart. You do understand what you what it is that you're trying to convey over to your client, but it's just not connecting. Yeah. So I, much earlier on, it was extremely frustrating. But I think as the years went on, and I started to accept that I have an accent. At one point, I was like, yeah, the accent is going to go away. But then I accepted that. No, it's not going to go away. It is no. part, it's part of your personality. It's correct. part of your DNA. Correct. Again, once I accepted it, and then now. The truth. Like, correct. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, I've accepted it. And now, of course, I've accomplished more. I'm achieving more at work, both in my personal life and, and, and professional life. That you, you are putting a, a whole different ladder, a much higher self of, uh, self-confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into some questions. Sure. Number one. <laughs> Is the American dream real or is it a hoax? It is absolutely real. Okay. The opportunities that America offers is nothing like anywhere else in the world. And I'll get a bit personal with this one because it's so relatable. $50 in New York City (laughs) 
is literally by the time you step outside of your house, by the right. time you breathe in the morning, you've already spent fifty dollars, right? right? From the subway, the you know, if you might take an Uber, by the time you grab breakfast, breakfast might be eight, nine bucks, lunch might be fifteen to twenty, might have to grab an afternoon snack, Starbucks, just to kind of give you a pick. Fifty dollars is is extremely finished. it's yeah. finished, right? As I speak to you today, uh, I'm not sure when this podcast will be released on February sixth, twenty twenty. If I send fifty dollars to a cousin, to a younger brother, to an aunt, or an uncle in Haiti, that will make the entire month. Wow, wow! Right? When you think I think and I operate like this day to on a daily basis, whether or not I may have overspent taking clients out for drinks and dinner, or maybe in my personal life, I go out on a date and I'm overdoing a little bit. That's always in the back of my mind. Hmm. That extra 20, that extra 50 could have been used by some, that could have been used by someone else and they would have been happy. So I know for a fact that I've had the opportunity to come to the States, to go to school, to learn English, to work in corporate America, you know, to have, uh, you know, I love the 15th and the 30th. I lived for the 15th and the 30th. <laughs> oh, that direct deposit. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, because you know for a fact that it's coming. Yeah. You have that hope that it's coming because yeah. you've worked for it. Yeah. And similarly to how some folks feel about tax season. And it's the same thing. You know, you're expecting a refund. Yeah. So I love the, that that ability, that opportunity to have that, and then to to be able to do that for a total of sixteen years, and then to have an opportunity to jumpstart my own thing, to yeah. uh, to create something else, and yeah. then now I'm creating opportunities for other people to come work for me and still be able to support myself. It's unmatched. Like th- there's no way to put that into words. So therefore, the state certainly has its issues from racial issues and political issues, healthcare issues, and things that certainly need to be rectified without a doubt. And I don't want to get into politics by any means, but but for the most part, the American dream, I've accomplished the American dream. Mm. You know, I've come from pure dirt where I had to walk six to eight miles a day to get to school, walk mm. six to eight miles back from school. Wow. And I still have to study. I have to get food, take care of my little, my, my little brother, help him with his homework, then work, you know, watch my sister do her homework as I do my homework. And then, and, and we're doing this, oh, let's be clear, we're doing this with our power. So this wow. is by the time 6, 7 p.m. hits, it's all candles. Wow. Electricity might come overnight between 12 to 3, but why does it matter? Because you're, you're, you're asleep anyway. Right. To me, I operate with that state of, of, of gratitude. Yeah. So therefore, I'll never come here and say the, the American dream doesn't exist. It exists, but is what is what are you making of it? The opportunity is here. Yeah. Therefore, because the opportunity is here, and I have to take advantage of it because I know others, personally know others, and have friends that know others because they come from whether it's Jamaica, Trinidad, or whether it's Ghana or Nigeria, that can relate because we know we know others or, or siblings or aunts and cousins that can do the exact same thing. That can just go, you know what? I'm not happy with my job. And when I wasn't happy and I realized, like, what can I do? You know, I'll go on LinkedIn or I'll go on Indeed. I'll go on Monster.com, CareerBuilder.com. <laughs> I'm aging myself right now. Uh, you know, ZipRecruiter, all these different places because I have options. Yeah. I'm not being stuck here unhappy or unhappy. You're yeah. paying me, you know, $95,000 benefits plus, you know, bonus. And right. you're not, you know, I show up nine, you know, five minutes late every morning and you're upset. No, right. I'm no. 
Right. You should accept that I'm a great employee. Right. I'm looking for a new job. I have options. Yeah. I know people that have zero options. And they'll take what they can get. Yeah. So for me, yes. Um, to answer your question, uh, the American dream does exist. Uh, you have to take advantage of it. And you have to make the best of it. Yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yep. This is great segue to second part of your American dream, right? So you got here, mm-hmm. you went to school, you worked in corporate America, now, the, and you got that check on the 15th and the 30th, right? Yep. Sometime the 31st. Na- depends na- on. Depends the- on, right? <laughs> now you're in a situation where you're generating your own cash, and it might not come on the 15th. It might come on the 5th or the 17th or the 16th or, or the 1st, right? What would you tell folks who work a nine-to-five now who maybe have a family, kids, What's the best way for them to transition out if they if they have inclinations to start a business? What I'll tell you is actually is to have a plan. This is not my first ride at this entrepreneurship lifestyle. Uh, I've taken a stab at it previously. Disclaimer: You don't have any children. You're not married. I'm not married. No children. Okay, I so, don't. So you so have a little is, bit more flexibility. I do. I do. Uh, I certainly do. But at the same time, I'm also not. A spring chicken, right? I'm also right. not 22, 23, where I can take the stab for five years. <laughs> Let me go. And then I feel like, you know what? Hey, I'm back. Yeah. So therefore, I still have to be mindful of that. I mean, sure. I can, but I have, to, you have, I have to be mindful of that. So that being said, you, you need to have a plan. And your plan needs to be bulletproof. Also, keep in mind, there is no such thing as a bulletproof plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But I think what you can do is anticipate every hurdle or every obstacle that's going to come your way. So if you already have a family, people that you're supporting, mortgage, car notes, et cetera, those are things that should be at the forefront of your planning process. So how are we going to do this if we're not going to get a guaranteed check? If my first client's bill, if I don't get a client, we don't invoice a client and we don't get a first check for 365 days, how are we going to survive? I'm hoping if you're creating a business, it's not going to take a year for you to get a check. But so you got to plan for the worst case scenario because that would be the worst case scenario. Right. So I'm hoping that's not the case. But plan for the worst case scenario and then work your way backwards. In your quote unquote bulletproof plan. It's and bulletproof in quotations. Correct. Meaning you need to take a lot of due diligence, research, putting the plan together. Absolutely. I'm going to talk briefly about this because I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's an interior designer. She's a really, it's a damn good interior designer. We've been talking about her having her own business and... I gave her the same advice, like, you got to create a plan. And she's like, well, what does that mean? And so I'll let you speak on what you think. But what I advised her to do was basically look at what you want to do and figure out, based on either research, articles, whatever, what are the steps? And then write all those steps out and then look at those steps and then each day work on one. And that's it. Step by step. Step by step. And the writing everything down process for me was hard to do at first. Mm -hmm. Because I'm such a visionary. Yeah. The idea comes in my mind and I visualize it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you how it's going to look like. And I can tell it to you step by step. It's almost yeah. if I was an art, artiste yeah. and I'll be able to paint it right then and there. Right. But life doesn't work that way. No. So therefore, <laughs> you need to itemize everything. You need to be able to look at it, read it all over. Because for me, that excitement comes when I'm visualizing it. Oh, right. okay, cool. By month three, we're going to have, you know, we'll potentially have HBO. We'll have, you know, Showtime. They spend a lot of money. They may not give us 100000 but we might get 25000 So if you mm. multiply 25000 by those four companies, that's 100000 So our margins are X, Y, and Z. Oh, we'll be good. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm that visualizer. Right. But that, it doesn't work that way. So you, I, I've learned this process. I've forced me to become the guy that writes everything down, that has everything in Excel, where everything is spelled out. And then mm. what I've discovered, it's even more beautiful mm. 
as if I painted it yes. because I'm looking at the numbers. Yes. yes. I'm, and I'm not even a, I'm not a numbers guy as much because I'm a, I'm more of a, a strategy big thinker type guy. But then I've learned. I'm like, oh, the numbers look good. If we're so, <laughs> right. you tell me if we're able to do X, right. Y, and Z by X, Y, and Z, because then it allows you to sort of really understand your business in and out. And I and I've learned this and I've read this in multiple books. If you don't know your numbers, you don't have a business. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Right. So you don't have a business and you don't know your business. Right. So therefore, you might as well just go back to your nine to five job. Right. Because if, if it's you're still sitting, there, if it's still there, <laughs> because you're setting yourself up for, uh, for failure at the end of the day. So I agree. I'm, I'm fully aligned. Right, I'm fully cool. in love with your strategy and what you told her is that you have to you have to itemize everything step by step. And then even it's itemized, by the time you're doing step two, you might realize, oh, how could, you can jump to step six because step two takes care of three, four, five. Yes. And then now you can jump to six. By the time right. you get to six, you're like, oh, I understand what I need to do. I don't even need step 12. Let me go to step 15. Right. But at least you know right. what you need to do. Right. You it's, don't know what you don't know. And sometimes step two or step three early in the process might be something like, I need to go to this conference. So I need to read these three books. No, for sure. You know, before yeah. because there's a gap in my knowledge base, right? 100%. So that's great. All right, cool. So one one of the things that I like when I first met you, when you were talking to me about your business, was it's a little bit novel, right? There's no other company. I don't know any other company that does what you do in terms of taking that demographic and leveraging it for for advertising. Right. You may or may not know this, but talk a little bit about the buying power of the African-American Latino demographic. How do advertisers benefit? I feel like we're probably, I mean, numbers-wise, probably way up there, but I don't know the actual numbers. In terms of consumers, uh, in terms of consumers, I mean, in terms of the dollars, it's it's right now. I think it's one point three trillion dollars of buying power, right? Yeah, that's crazy. At the end of the day, we just like to shop. <laughs> we just like, we like to, to buy. consume. Right? We like to consume, whether yeah. or not. And that's also it's also a win, and also it's a, it's a plus and also a minus too, because we should be investing more, especially the things that we're buying. If I'm taking Uber on a day to day basis, why do I not have? Why do not I have? A Robinhood account where I'm investing in Uber. Yeah, and then Robinhood is a free account where you can trade. By the way, for folks listening, all right. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, everybody don't know that. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's why am I not investing in Uber? So now, if I know I'm investing in Uber, I don't need to take Lyft anymore. So I could right. delete the Lyft app out out of my phone. Right. I can focus on Uber because I want their profitability to rise up. Right. So therefore, then you know you start thinking different. You start consuming Correct. different. Correct. Because now you have a you have a you have a dog in the race. Yeah. You have a horse or a dog. Which one is it? This, you see, that's this showing you. This uh, is. I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't it's, have a dog in that fight. It's normally what they say. I'm still learning English, dude. I'm 38 years old, been here for 23 years, and I and I'm still a student, and right. I don't mind saying right. it. That's awesome. I don't mind. That's I don't awesome. mind saying it. Right. So I don't awesome. have a dog in the fight. Right. Because now, but fight. now I have a dog in the fight, which is. Uber. Correct. Therefore, I'll start rooting for Uber. Correct. And then when someone's opened the Lyft app, I'll say, why are you doing Lyft? Like, Uber yeah. is so much better. I right. want you to use Uber right. because now I'm investing in Uber. At the same time, I'm a consumer of Uber. Yeah. That's a whole other That's topic. A whole other we thing. can, we can yeah. certainly get to that next time if I'm invited back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the goal is we consume a lot. Like, we like to pray. We like the newest Jordans. We like, and, yep. and, and the numbers too. When you look at the stats, it really derives from more of the urban areas. You know, right. your affluent African-Americans or Hispanics or not, you know, they know how to spend their money much wisely. 
and they're investing more. So these so these companies, right, that you've worked with, the mm-hmm. Toyota, HBO, BET, Viacom, mm-hmm. Tidal, et cetera, they're, they're targeting that market, right, that consumer market, that 1.3. They're 1. creating 3. content uh, because those, those are, okay, Toyota has a car, great cars. Shouts to Toyota. <laughs> Checks clear on time. Wink. Uh, Ford, too. <laughs> so they have cars that speak, I mean, they're, they're, you know, we need to drive cars. African-Americans, Hispanics need to drive cars, right? right? So therefore... They need to target us, right? Right, and then part of the messaging is the way we're targeting the general audience market. We can't use that same verbiage and language and approach to targeting an African American or Hispanic. They're not going to respond the exact same way, correct? So therefore, they leverage you know our platform because we we have the podcasters, we have the podcasters, we have the audience that they're looking to reach, right? Correct. So, right. How do you know? Because like iTunes, for instance, you can't get access to follower demographics Correct. so like let's say like my podcast right right i don't really know race-wise who's listening you know what i mean right. most podcasts don't so how are you able to we'll say six months i'm up to my thousand or my two thousand right right now we're around 800 i get up to two thousand a month how would you know that i'm african-american but how would you know that my demographic is 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 urban what is the best what is the channel that you use to promote your podcast how do you promote your podcast mostly on instagram Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm, I'm helping you get there. Yes. So therefore, what Got we it. do is a soft data match on your social profiles. Okay. So when we do a soft data match on your data profiles, we understand what's the audience, what's the percentage of audience from which demo engages with your content the Got most. It. And okay. then we take that information Insane. and we cl- and we classify you accordingly. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, GC. <laughs> That's how right, cool. we do it. Cool. As a company, because we focus on niches solely, focus on a multicultural segment. Yeah. That's how we go about doing that. Yeah. No, that's great. Because uh, therefore, it's it's used directionally. However, it's it's still as accurate as the closest we can get to guesstimating properly to yeah. providing that information back to our clients. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. My last question I wanted to ask you about, you know, part of your, when you were in the, the corporate world, you had another um, alter ego, we'll call him. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and I've called it you a couple times during this interview, not Gary Kwashi, but GC. Right. Most people in that other world know you as GC. And um, you were very deliberate about creating a different person than the person you were during your nine to five. Right. So my question really is about, you can tell the backstory about, about GC, but how did you build that brand of GC? I, I, I always like to hear stories about how people build brands, successful right. brands. And your brand, the GC brand is successful. I mean, I mean, I just told you this off mic, or, or off pod, but like I'm talking to people that I don't even know know you that know you. Like it's crazy. <laughs> you know, so you know a lot of people and you've developed that over time. For sure. I think GC doesn't exist without Gary Kwashi because GC right. derives from Gary C. Kwashi, right? right? I think for me it was a time when I, I, I entered a corporate America and I realized that at the time, I was into corporate America because I, I love the lore. I love the fact that I can have a corporate, you know, I can have a corner office. I can have an assistant. I say, hey, Cheryl, hold all my calls. Mm. Again, boomerang. Yeah. Right? yeah. Eddie Murphy and boomerang. Yeah. I appreciate that allure of it. But I had friends. They, had, they wanted nothing to do with a nine to five, right? These guys wanted to be entrepreneurs from, from Jump Street at 21, 22. Uh, and I also had other guys that were, you know, that wanted to go into the the league as basketball players. And I also had other guys that wanted to be talent yeah. to become rappers or singers or what have you. So therefore, I was in different worlds. Okay. But once you get into corporate America, you spend 90%, like six, I forgot what the, the, the stats is, but I think you spend about 75 or 80% of your time at work. Mm. So you can get consumed into your work environment. Yeah. 
in my work environment wasn't diverse enough, lacked lack diversity and inclusion, especially back in 2004, about more people that would look like myself or even people that understood people like myself. Sure. Right? Uh, so therefore, I needed to sort of navigate. I felt like I had to navigate through both worlds. My nine-to-five life had consumed me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I stepped back into my friends, they appreciated that I was coming across more polished. But at the same time, they were still like, ah, you don't need to be a part of this corporate guy. You know, it's almost <laughs> like you're not the cool guy. Right. But I knew I was cool because I was gaining so much knowledge. I was working with big brands at a young age. I was, I was exposed to so much. And I needed to, you know, I needed, I'm, I'm way back into the mix. And I said, let's call me GC. Right. Just call me GC. Call me Gary. Just call right. me GC. And I'm like, GC? Right. Just call me GC. Right. And I'm right. like, when we go out, we started going out, and, you know, we lived in Rockin' County, which is an outskirts of New York City, which is about 40, 40, 45 minutes out in the suburbs. And we come into the city, and someone will introduce me. Hey, it's my boy Gary. I'm like, no, what's up, man? Nice to meet you. I'm GC. Right. So, therefore, now when you introduce me to your other friend, you're saying that's GC. GC, right. So then everybody's— Correct. And I started meeting people in different circles. And to be honest with you, it was only a matter of time before I built a company like Pod. Well, there was going to be an influencer company, which is what Pod is morphing into, in addition to the the podcast. Because as GC, you were curating parties. That was part oh, of it. Oh, you were promoting. That was yeah, part of it. Yeah, okay. that was part of it. Yeah, but okay. that started back in college as okay. fun. Okay. And then it actually became an, it actually became a real business. Yeah. Uh, where we actually generated revenue. Where at one point I was like, I'm, I'm, I can quit my nine to five because right. clearly we're netting out twelve thousand, ten thousand, or six thousand a party on weekend. Yeah. And my nine to five, my forty thousand, my forty five thousand divided by by fifty two weeks is not giving me that. Right. Maybe if I allocate all my energy here. I'll be able to do this. I mean, I played with the ideas a few times, but I, I never did it. Okay. Uh, I was smart enough to never do it. <laughs> uh, but um, because I, I've always enjoyed the work. Again, I've always enjoyed my marketing. Whether I mean, I've in, I may not have enjoyed the environment, but I've always enjoyed the work that I was doing, yeah. which is also very important. But yeah, no, but I really, we were curating events. Uh, so I met a lot of different folks from athletes to uh, entertainers which is what allowed me to build Pod Media mm. because those relationships with those early years, those folks now have grown to become head of record labels, et cetera, et cetera, and now they have access to such and such. So to get a, to know a podcaster that has a huge podcast, but he's not monetizing it for me, it was easy to say, hey, can we have a conversation? Right. Because you have a podcast, I have the access to the advertisers because I'm coming from that world to help you broker certain deals and bring certain advertisers to you. you but go. that doesn't start because I'm coming and saying I'm an advertiser. It starts because I have the relationship to even have access to you to have that conversation. That's as, with the, as GC. Right. Co- correct. But no, that started as GC. GC, GC trouble is the path to, for that to happen. Correct. But I'm still opportunity as Gary because now we, we're trying to talk right. about a legit business. Correct. That's so how I can assist you yes. to monetize and, and deliver ad- advertising to your show. Right. But but the GC persona really helped me build that because then when you meet GC, you're meeting this guy that's very cool, very charismatic, uh, has the gift of gabs, can carry a conversation, can make you laugh, uh, and has access. So therefore, that allowed people to sort of say, "Hey, we we can." This guy is not trying to use us. This guy is not trying to. This guy just come around. He's he's okay. And, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't need them. And my personality was almost pompous because I didn't need them like everybody else needed them, or a manager, or an and and talent. I had a nine to five. I, yeah. I was good. So yeah. I can walk away from, I'm leaving this event at midnight. I'm yeah. driving home to my home to where the birds are chirping. I'm waking up and I'm wearing my nice penny loafers, my nice slacks, and I'm going to work yeah. 
where I am earning me a guaranteed salary again, the 15th and the 30th. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so yeah, so for me. So it's, it's interesting. What, what, I, what I heard was, was two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing was you said, basically you instilled in people, it's GC, it's GC, right? So consistent message, right? Like in terms of building a brand. Correct. Consistent message. Consistent messaging. Um, Positioning, then, understanding where you are. Yeah. Right? Like, what's your role here? Yeah. Like, some people are just trying to do, you're, you're trying to be the master of all, trying to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. Yeah. Therefore, you need to understand, have a position and own it. If you're going to be the door guy, be the best door guy. Be at the door and let everyone, so everybody knows I am the door guy here. If right. you need friends I need to come to this party, right. I'm the door guy. If you're going to be the DJ, be the DJ. Understand people are going to know you as the DJ. So I think once you understand, once you accept the truth of your positioning, right. that allows you to be consistent at it, to get better at it, and then that's how you get basic, you get recognized. You'd be a household name. So you, it's like you tell them what to call you, tell them what you stand for. Right. And then the third thing you also said was in, implicit in what you were saying was you bring value. Right, I don't want anything from you. I'm bringing value. 100%. I don't need you. Hundred <laughs> percent. And we have this conversation, and almost not to sound pompous, but sounding pompous is that right. to the podcasters that we work with now is we tell them the exact same thing. We need you. We don't have a platform if we don't have your content. Right. So we need you to create content because I can't sit in a podcast studio, take time every day or every week to create a podcast every week. So we need you. Like we need you. At the same time. The minute you stop, you, if you're not creating content, you're not consistent with your content, we, we don't, don't need, need you. You, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So right. it's, again, but it's the hard truth, though. Yes. Right? And the same thing a podcaster can turn on says, I need you to help me monetize my, my content. But you know what? I can also go out and hire a team and hire my own internal team and, ha- and put a sales guy out there and have the sales guy go door to door to all the local businesses because I'll tell them I have all the, I have a listenership from 34th Street to 14th Street. And I can get, that's where all my listeners derive from because I know my data. And I will knock on every single, will knock on every single door uh, in every single business that's in, you know, that's between 34th Street to 14th Street. And then we'll get those business, I'll monetize my, and I'll monetize my own content. Right. We don't need you. And that'll be the hard truth because yeah. that can happen. Yeah. We're aware of it because that's the part of providing a service. You know, you, you, could be re, you could be replaceable and you have to be, and you have to accept that. But are you providing the best service that you can so that's never in the back of your mind? Right. And also, you want to make the value prop so great at a cost that is so amenable that it doesn't make sense for them to hire a whole— the frequency is so much higher. Mm. Don't forget the cost. Speed, yeah. One day, it's Toyota. The next day, it's Ford. Another day, it's uh, Harry's. Another day, it's Taito. Another day, it's Nike. Before you know it, it's Gatorade. It's— you're almost like, dude. Tidal wave, like, damn, I'm just overwhelmed. Right? You're like, dude, oh my gosh, we, I need to get another assistant in here so we can start <laughs> pushing our content <laughs> twice a week. Yeah, right, because the payment for the ads is based on your content. Right? The payment of your ads is based on your listenership, listenership. of your numbers. Okay, got it. Because media, digital media is it's priced out on a CPM basis. CPM is a cost per thousand. Okay. So when you go on a website, whether it's BET.com or WMD.com, WebMD.com, every thousand views, there's a CPM, do- there's CPM dollars for it. Same thing for a social ad that okay. you see on social media. Yeah. Every thousand people that see it, they charge the advertiser. Facebook will charge them a CPM. Okay. So therefore, from a podcast perspective, 
you can determine your rate based on the amount of listeners that you have. Got it. The average CPM for social is about six to seven bucks. But okay. social has so many eyeballs, six or seven bucks is still come across very lucrative. Right. For podcasts, the average CPM is 25 bucks, hmm. upwards of 30 to 35. Right. So every thousand listener, you can charge $35. Mm. So the more listeners you have, yeah. the more you can charge. So somebody with like, you know, 100,000, 200,000 listeners, they, cake, they can cake. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because they're dedicated to creating that content. Yeah. You can keep pumping out content, but if it's falling in the same ears, you're not necessarily growing your listenership. Your listenership. Right. So if you're not, you know, you can have two to three podcasts a week, but if that's not moving the needle from your listenership perspective, it's pointless. Yeah. So your your bet is what I tell people when they're starting out of creating a podcast. When you're creating a podcast, you don't necessarily just start running. You can create a podcast once a month. Let's build it. Make sure it's quality. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's a great show. But for the next 30 days, everyone needs to know you have a podcast. Every single person you come across needs to know you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Hey, Pastor, great meeting you. Great service today. Did you listen to my show? What show? <laughs> right. I didn't even know you had a show. Right. When you get a moment, Pastor, check in. It's on iTunes. Right. Uh, I know you go on iTunes to listen to your gospel songs. It's on <laughs> iTunes. It's called uh, The Truth Prescription Show. Check it out. That's right. That's right, Pastor Taylor. Right. right. <laughs> That's all reverend. Community uh, it's funny, me and uh, Dr. Suku has the same pastor. Right. Um, we just found that out. Too. <laughs> but, right, so then not everyone needs to know. And then now you show up on Tuesday. That was Sunday. You show up on Tuesday for Bible study. I don't know if you go to, you must not go to Bible study because you looked at me like I got 10 heads. So no. Bible studies on Tuesday. So you show up to Bible <laughs> study on Tuesday and there's 60 brothers in the room. And you walk in and pastor says, hey, man. I checked out your show. <laughs> Man, you guys got to check this brother out. He has a great show. Pastors just become your, ambas- uh, your ambassador. You're just right. evangelizing your beh- on your behalf. Right. Now you don't need to tell every 50 brothers. Now what you need to do is, is go ahead and amplify to the other 50 brothers that just heard that message. Hey, guys, good meeting you guys. Right. You know, pastor, I'm the guy with the show that Pastor talked about. Yeah, right. guys, check it out when you get a chance. Right. Now that's 52 listeners. And that's only in two days <laughs> that you've generated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That needs to be consistent. I'm not saying you need to be a walking billboard, you know, every street corner screaming you have a podcast. I'm just saying that there is there should not be a universe that you've created, you've taken your time to create the right content that the right people doesn't know about it, and especially the people that you're trying to reach doesn't know yeah. about it. And especially those people that are within, you know, one, two, three people removed from you. They yeah. should all know. So that's how you're growing your organic listenership at the core. You're building that foundation. And then now you have 100 people that's going out and telling people about your show. Right. And then those 100 go tell people about your show. And those right. 100 people right. are going to tell people. Right. And now you're growing your listenership. Yeah. Or you come out and create 10 podcasts that no one's heard before. And then you're doing that for 10 shows. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm coming back. I'm saying, dude, you have 10 shows. I don't have time to listen to 10 shows. Yeah. Because it's not, I don't think that you have anything viable to say. It's just the fact that I genuinely don't have the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you put one podcast in front of me and then you're like, when, and then now I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm like, when's the next one? Like, it's next month. Oh, by the way, guys, you guys have been listening now. It's 300 podcasts, right? 300 listeners, right? You guys have been listening to us now. We're moving to a bi weekly cadence twice a month now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> right. frequency. Right. You know, more podcasts for you, more right. content for you. We have yeah. more to say. 
yeah. we have more to say. Yeah. We're going to have more guests. We're going to have more CEOs, more entrepreneurs, more executives on the show, more doctors, more lawyers, more attorneys. It's tax season, more accountants will be on the show. Yeah. Tune in, tell your friends to tune in. Uh, send me your questions in advance on our social media pages and our DMs. We'll make sure they get addressed during the show. It's a process. Just like everything else, it's a process. Shouts Indeed. to Kobe, uh, RIP Kobe Bryant. And he tells yeah. you it was a process for him when he realized that his first shot when he started was an air ball when he played at, uh, versus the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And he said the baskets versus when he was in high school, it's not an excuse, but when he got to the, you know, he got to the NBA and it, the length was a bit further than he thought. So when he took that shot, he thought he had enough strength for it, but he didn't. Mm. And he started hitting the, 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 the lift room, the weight room. The weight room, yeah. To get his strength to make sure that he has it. Michael Jordan will tell you the same thing when the, the bad boys, uh, the Pist Detroit Pistons would beat yeah, him up. Beat him up, yeah. What he realized, he liked to drive to the hole, but then he couldn't really sustain it. His body couldn't take it because those guys were so physical. So he hit the gym, and that's how he ended up overcoming those guys. But it's a process, and that's the problem that we, we face as um, my company, myself, and the, and the folks that, you know, that works you know, for us is podcasters come on board, and they expect to get paid overnight. They expect to be millionaires, and they expect to get top rates, and especially the ones that already have large following from social media. Mm-hmm. This is a completely new medium. Yeah. I don't know what you did that allowed you to get to that 100,000 followers on Instagram, you need to do it again to get 100,000 listeners on your podcast. Right. And then your rates or numbers are completely different. Right. Then you don't really need anybody because people are coming to you because now you have the goods, both the content and the audience. Completely different ballgame. Now you can demand what you want within reason. But because now you've created it, you've taken your time to craft it to ensure that you have the right people listening to your show and returning to returning listeners. So that's certainly that's the type of advice that I, I tell people. Um, okay. And then that could be, with, and, and that's with anything, right? That's applicable towards anything. That's applicable towards building a new business. That's applicable towards building video content. That's applicable towards writing a book, creating a blog, a vlog, whatever it might be. Same thing. All right, Gary, let's jump into a section called Yes or BS. So in this section, I'll stop looking, stop looking. <laughs> in this section, I'm going I'm <laughs> I'm to make a statement. You can say yes or BS. And you can expound on it if you want, or if you don't want to, you can just say, give me an answer and we'll move on. Let's do it. Number one, those Popeye's chicken commercials are racist. They are not. <laughs> okay. They're tapping into the people that loves chicken. They're doing exactly Ooh, what this. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. All right. And I'm telling you, if I'm a, you know, Southern woman, that's the, the branded as women that can cook. Yes. So therefore, they've used a, a southern some woman, right? And then they tell they have quality chicken, and some way, somehow, we all fell for it, and we, <laughs> now we all love Popeyes. <laughs> so no, yes, I love Popeyes. It's not BS. I love the I love the marketing strategies that they use. Yes. All right. Number two, French is a more beautiful language than English. I would agree. Okay. And I'm not being biased because I speak French was my second language and right. English was my third. It's a fact. It's it's much more. There's more of a the delivery it's, is much je ne sais quoi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that je ne, that je ne sais quoi. It's, it's, right. Yeah, it's different. You need to have that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three, pod digital media will gross $10 million in revenue. I mean, that's without a doubt. Uh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I mean, we're going for, you know, we're going for, there's no limit. 
There's no, mm-hmm. there's no cap to well, it. I'm not saying that's where it's going to stop. I'm okay. just saying you're going to pass there on your way to 100 million. Man. 100%. You got to pass the 10. Absolutely. You got to get to 10. First. Absolutely. No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, cool. Yeah, we're, that's, that's the goal. We have a hardworking team. You know, we're always working with you know, great podcasts. We're creating great, we're creating great content. And to be honest with you, uh, the CEO of Pod Digital Media, <laughs> <laughs> the CEO of Pod Digital Media is not uh, is a smart guy. He's a very ambitious guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. GC. That oh, that's me. Gary Kwashi. That's yes. me. That's, yeah. Um, no, for sure. Without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt. That's the. That's definitely the goal. So that's definitely not BS. Number four. With proper knowledge, brands are easy to build. That's BS. Yeah, we go. You can have all the knowledge all you want. You can read all the books in the world. You can have all your stats. But if you can execute it flawlessly, it's pointless. Okay. It's, not a, it's not a one, you know, one, one shot, one thing. One, one, what's the, you see, again, help me with my terminologies here. One shot fits all. Oh, it's not one size fits all. One size fits all. Yeah. Thank you, brother. But it's not one size fits all. It's like it's a combination of things. It's something when it comes to success. It's not like waking up every day at six a.m. and thinking ready to conquer the day. No, you gotta have a plan. You gotta be able to to strategize, and you also have to be able to execute. So brands need to do more than just have the knowledge uh, and have the right people. Yeah. Number five, Gary Kwashi will get married in the next five years. Wow. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Gary Kwashi. 38. So by, by, we'll by 43, married. he's going to get married. Exactly. Yep. All right, Gary. You got any, any um, candidates on the, on the horizon? For a really long time, and uh, this is not BS, okay. uh, for a really long time, I think my head was really down and just trying to grow the business. Yeah. Um, the business has become... You hear those stories all the time. You're an entrepreneur. You're over. You know. You you're overtaken by your work, and, and people get upset. And for a long time, that 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 in fact was the truth. That that's really what I focused on. You know, I would entertain people. We'll date and mm-hmm. go on dates, and you know, try to find some level of consistency. But deep down in my mind, I've always known like, eh, this most likely will be short term due to the fact that you know you may not be aligned with my long term goals. Right. But I've always been open to the idea of of for sure. Uh, <laughs> of a uh, uh, <laughs> funny guy, funny guy. Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! I, I just showed I just showed him a, a name of someone that that we uh, that we know. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Definitely okay. not her. Absolutely not her. Great person. Yeah, good person. people. Good right. people. Yeah, just right. not. We're just not for. We're not compatible. Right. I do have a strong idea of who I think I want the. You know. Are you equal opportunity? Meaning, will you date outside Haitian or like you know your parents? Your your father like you must marry Haitian. No, not at all. Okay. My parents are actually pretty flexible. Parents are not like they're not saying I, you must be a Haitian person per se. I do have a type. I don't get into it. I do. I, I do have a type, but for the most part. I think I know exactly who I didn't know exactly I know exactly who I need. I gotta I gotta put this joke in here now. Okay. Not that this is your type. My, this is what my <laughs> wife tells me. She's like, every guy's type is is this type. I was like, what, honey? What's the type? Big ass and quiet. <laughs> ah, I like her. I like her already. I like, like whatever, her already. Whatever, correct. Mrs. Gathers. Yeah. We like your style over here. We like your style. Yeah, I know exactly. I think I have an idea of who the person is. Uh, oh no, who the I know the type. The the person is not here yet, but the um, type is there. I may have met the person, or I may not have met the person. But I think whether you know or not, you still have to put it. I'm so sorry. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you still have to put in the work. 
because it's not one size fits all. Right. You know, right. so it's up to... No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you still have to put in the work and make sure that you're growing with the person. So I think that's the case of knowing whether I know who the person is or not. Wink, yeah. wink. Well, right. we'll make that. I have to put in the work. The work, you, the work is definitely needed to be put in because, uh, yeah, when you when you start getting deeper, you start learning some stuff about yourself, and you're like, damn, for sure. And you especially know. when you start out, I think for the most part, I know some of my guys. I mean, I've been married, trying to get the right Instagram posts. You see, it's all branding. You see, yeah, this yeah, is part of it's the all branding. branding. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because the thing is, for those that are listening, actually, if you're not if you're not seeing this on YouTube. My suit is impeccable, right? Mm -hmm. And my my uh, my turtleneck fits it well, but I need it to fit within the frame so I can post this clip promoting this podcast that oh, I'm yeah. on, you That's know? Right. But um, yeah, so I think I have some guys that got married at a young age. They didn't barely knew themselves when they got married. And yeah. then they've grown up to be uh, completely different. So for me, I think at 38, I clearly know who I am. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that for me, it's a little different. I'm older more mature, know what I want, know what I'm looking for. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm setting myself up for success. The next person that on, I truly engage is absolutely going to get, will absolutely be my wife. Right. And secondly, it's not going to take five years, So, which is why that window, that time frame within the next five years is. It's a good time frame. It's feasible, okay. 100%. All right. <laughs> Last question, number seven. It's easy to get burnt out in New York. Is it easy to get burnt out in New York? That is absolutely a thousand percent sure. Yes, you can get burnt out in New York. New York will eat you up, spit you out, swallow you back again, and spit you out again. Damn, New York is a, a monster. Yeah. <laughs> New York is a monster. <laughs> all right. That's all I got, man. Seven uh, questions? Oh, man. That's it. The seven yes will be yes. That's it. This was great, GC. I, I appreciate you coming, man. You know, I think you definitely gave people something to, uh, to think about. To chew on, but not spit out. But chew on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tell the people how they can learn a little bit more about, about you and then about your company. For us, uh, Pod Digital Media, www.poddigitalmedia.com. If you are a podcaster, that's a great podcast that's looking to monetize your content, certainly reach out to us. Uh, IG is Pod Media. And then. What or, about your personal page? My personal page is yeah. Gary Kwashi. Okay. C-O-I-C-H-Y. <laughs> C-O-I-C-H-Y. Yeah. Um, Not Koichi, but Kwashi. Kwashi, right. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm a friend of the people. You yeah. know, I'm always willing to have conversations. Yeah. Uh, conversations like these, I think, are very helpful. One of the things that I wish I had when I was younger was actually have a mentor that would have helped me navigate through those corporate days, right? I didn't have that. So I think that's one of the things I'm very... Uh, I take great pride in and trying to pass the elevator, uh, the elevator back down, pass the baton back down to the younger generation, and in so they can have that proper guidance. Yeah. If I can help you skip four step, four steps by giving you some knowledge to get you from four to from four to eight without having to deal with certain things, for sure, why not? Yeah. But yeah, my personal page uh, is at Gary Quash on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Of course, my full name and the company page is uh, com. Brother, thank you for having me. I Gary, enjoyed the exchange. This was great. I appreciate you. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to sign off as I always do. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. The truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs> <laughs>